0: Now we're going to read from God's Word. We're starting a new series. Uh, In the evening service, we are resuming our time in the book of Genesis. In the morning services, we're beginning the book of John. So this morning, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me, is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this month we're beginning to look at the book of John. And in this book, the Gospel of John, John is not giving us only a biography of Jesus. And he's actually not giving us mainly a biography of Jesus. Instead, the Gospel of John, it's, it's a deep dive into just a few key points about the teaching and about the actions of Jesus. So it's a, it's a, if it's biographical, it's selective. It's focused. The book is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And it's written by the best friend of Jesus, John. And the goal of the author is to convince you about Jesus and to give you a chance to make a decision about Jesus. These first 18 verses that we read, they're called the prologue. It's, it's kind of like the narrator's introduction to the book, and he tells us some of the themes that he is going to dive into in the rest of the book, in the bulk of the book. If you were to take just these first 18 verses, it really is, it's almost a different genre. It reads much more like one of the epistles in the New Testament, and so it's different that way, and we're going to look at just part of it this week, and next week we'll look at the rest of it. I'm going to take... Our time this morning, though, as we get into this prologue, I'd like to take our time to slow us down, to slow you down, and together to think about things that are weighty, to think about things that are important, and and they're worth slowing down to consider. Here's what we're going to see this morning in this text. We'll see that Jesus came to show us who we are, where we got lost, and how to get home. Jesus came to show us who we are, where we got lost, and how to get home. He came to show us who we are. This is in verses 1 through 5, who we are. I want to, I want to slowly just work through the words of that, that sentence. Jesus came to show us who we are. Jesus came. He came. Verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word. Now, when you see that here in this text, the word, the word, it's, it's another identity term for Jesus. In some places, they use different identity terms for Jesus. In some places, Jesus is the Son of Man. In other places, Jesus is the Chosen One or the Christ or the Messiah. But here, the identity term that's used, Jesus is the word, Logos. The, the Greek thinkers of that day, they viewed Logos, the word, as reason, the foundation of the universe. That was in the, the the Greek system of thought. The foundation of the universe, reason. The Jewish thinkers of that day used that term, that concept, viewed it as as uh, the word or as wisdom. And, and in places like Proverbs eight, wisdom is expounded, and and is this person who who delighted God and who was instrumental in the creation, and so. If you're investigating Christianity, Jesus is the place to start. Jesus, the man, the person, the word, is the place to start. And and if you're considering exiting Christianity, leaving Christianity, leave with the highest integrity. Leave because you're rejecting Jesus and nothing else. None of the mysteries about the Bible, none of the, the hijinks that his people may do or have done in history, leave because you're rejecting this the word, Jesus. Now, if you have some familiarity with the Bible, these opening words in John 1.1, 1, 1, they should sound very familiar. They echo the first words of the Bible. In the Old Testament, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. Now, compare that to John 1, 1, the first verse of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. So this is a book about Jesus. Who is Jesus? It says here that Jesus, the Word, Jesus was with God in the beginning. It says that Jesus, that means Jesus is God, and it also says that all things were made through Jesus. Now, what do you make of Jesus? If you were to make an opening statement about Jesus, what do you make of him? Some people say he's very well known, but he actually never existed. He's a legend. Some people will say, well, Jesus did exist. He was a great person, and, and he created a system of good and respectable teachings. But his best friend, what does his best friend say? His best friend says that Jesus is God. The word was God. And not only does the text state that Jesus is God, it also says that Jesus is distinct from God. Verse two, he, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. So he's not the same as God. He's distinct. And we'll probe these things more later. We're not going to get into it this morning, but let's just start by noting that Christianity teaches the divinity of Christ and Christianity teaches the distinction between God the Father and God the Son. This is a mystery, but it's a reality. The The mysterious nature of it, our inability to fully flesh it out, makes it no less true. It, it's like... It's like how you, if you were um, one of the more ancient people, it's like how you would view the sun in the sky. The reality is the sun exists. There's no question about it. But for thousands of years, humans did not understand how the sun rose and, and how it trapped across the sky. It, it came up here, it went down there. But then the next day, it came up over here again and came down. They didn't understand how that worked. They didn't know the composition of the Son, but we accepted the reality of it, even though we couldn't fully explain it. Christians cannot fully explain how the Son is God and the Father is God, and yet there is one God. But we believe the reality of what's written. And so that means Christianity centers not only around a system of thought, not only around a great man, Christianity centers around Jesus who is God. Now, you hold on to that as, as we go through this. So we said Jesus came to show us who we are. Jesus came. Verse nine, it says Jesus, the word, it says he is the true light coming into the world. That's what it says in verse nine. And then in verse 11, it says it again. He came to his own. He came to his own. So not only did the, the word not only did Jesus create the world, the word also came as light and came into the world that he created. So if, if you're someone here who's evaluating Christianity, we are glad that you're here. We're very glad that you're here. And isn't it the case, as you've been looking into Christianity, that you're hearing things, you're reading things, and you get told, here are some claims that you need to believe in order to become a Christian. Things that you have to believe, you have to receive them by faith. And sometimes you you may be thinking, why, why is this so much wrapped up in having to believe, having to have faith about postulates that can't be proven? It's to be received by faith. Why can't God just appear in the world in some kind of convincing appearance, as if, a movie star were to walk into the front door of your house, you would know he was there. He made a real appearance. There would be no faith involved in that. Well, Jesus did just that. Jesus, this light, the light came into the world. It's already happened. He didn't keep himself distant from the the creation that he made. He moved into our neighborhood. He immigrated into the human world. And that's what the, the rest of the book of John works out. Jesus came into this world. And how did people receive that? Was it enough? Was it convincing? We'll see how people responded to God in the flesh appearing. But for this morning, let's just park on this one part of it. He came to show us who we are. Now, we have ideas about who we are. We have ideas about what a, a healthy self-conception, a healthy self-image would look like. Can, can I offer you just a few things here from the text, just a few things to help all of us keep our self-image correctly calibrated so we're not deluded about ourselves? First of all, it says, we are created. We are created. Verse three, all things were made through him. Verse 10, the world was made through him. That's saying, you and I, are not accidents. Someone intentionally made you. That means your life and everything that's gone in the past and everything that's going to play out, your life is not random. You were crafted in the womb of your mother by God. And because God did that, it means you have value. Because God only creates good, not evil. No matter what kind of shade people have thrown on you, you are precious because God made you. There's, there's, there's this artist in the United Kingdom named Banksy. I don't know much about Banksy. I'm not an expert, but I do know this. Banksy is not this artist's real name. People are not quite sure who Banksy really is. They think they know his real first name, maybe. And much of his art, though, it's, it's, it's a little unconventional. Much of his art, it's not just on canvases hung up in museums. Much of his art is on the walls of buildings. Street graffiti. It's street graffiti. Some of it's in just burnt out parts of town, industrial places. But even though people usually think that graffiti is a nuisance, they think of graffiti as a defacing of property, Banksy's graffiti, Banksy's art is precious. People will pay millions of dollars, 14 million dollars for just a piece of it. It's valuable to them. They treasure his art so much that if they find one of his works on a section of brick wall, if they can, they will remove an entire section of brick wall just to preserve, just to have and possess one of his paintings, one of his graffiti works. It looks like graffiti, but because a great artist created it, the world treasures it. God created you. You were created through the word. You have value. And so Jesus shows us that we are created. The second thing Jesus tells us about ourselves, Jesus shows us that we are dependent. We are dependent. Verse 4, in him, Jesus was life And the life was the light of men. Now, how is your life, how is your life going today? Is life good? Is life horrible? However your life is going, this is true. Jesus is holding it together. Jesus is holding you together. In him was life. Is your life sweet? Jesus is holding it together. Is your life not so sweet? Are, are you fearful? Are you worried? Jesus is keeping you alive. In him was life. And life, his life, the life was the light of all people. Other, other places in the Bible tell us this same thing, that we're dependent, but Jesus is the one we're depending on. Jesus is the one holding us together. In him we live and move and have our being. Colossians, and he... Speaking of Christ is before all things, and in him, all things cohere. In him, all things consist. You have value because God created you, but you are not capable enough to keep it together. You know that's true about your career. You know that's true about your your, your portfolio. You know that's true about your own heart. You are not capable enough to keep it together. Now however, however high you are in life today or however low you are, it is the Lord who is holding your life together and that's why you're standing. That's the only reason why you are standing today. And, and that's why no matter how big the mess you're in today is, no matter how messy it is, you haven't entirely fallen apart yet because your times are in his hands. And so recognize your dependence on Jesus, R- recognize your dependence on him. Are you secure? Are, are you well-positioned in life? Recognize that it's the Lord who has let the lines for you fall into pleasant places. Thank him for your success. Give him praise and glory for whatever pleasure you're enjoying these days. And, and are you shaky today? And does your life seem unstable, like it is on the brink of fragmenting? Recognize that only the Lord can carry you and only the Lord can keep you together body and soul and only the Lord can bring you safely through. The Lord is carrying you body and soul. Don't lose sight of that. I recently visited a friend and it was, it was going to be the time we are getting together was going to be after dark and I was fine with that. It's great. I visited my friend before but my friend was worried He was worried about me coming to his place after dark because, he told me, serious crimes are happening at my place after dark. It's a big problem where I live. And so he was worried about me coming to visit. And I I hadn't known that, but then he told me, and after he told me, before I went there, on my way there, it was very dark, and I was starting to get nervous about getting out of the car, getting it parked, getting out of the car, getting into the building safely. And, and so I parked, I, I darted for the door and after our visit, I, I darted out into the dark from my friend's door back to the car and, and nothing bad happened. And I was so relieved, I was so jumpy. But I said in my heart, thank you, Lord, for keeping me safe another night. I'm, I'm dependent, we're all dependent on the Lord, even for the simplest things. We are dependent creatures. So Jesus came to show us who we are. Jesus also came to show us where we got lost. Jesus came to show us where we got lost. And what we find is this, verses 5 through 11, we got lost in the dark. We got lost in the dark, verses 5 through 11. Jesus shows us that we, not only is there darkness around us, but we are darkened ourselves. Verse five, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. In these few words, the text is delivering an entire chapter of systematic theology. It's saying this, humans were created good and righteous, but we fell into darkness. God created us good and in the light, But Adam sinned in that good and bright world. He sinned then. And in Adam's sin, we sinned. And with our sin in Adam, it was like we pulled down over the windows of our lives, these blackout shades, and nothing can get through. And now our minds and our hearts, they're impervious to light, everything within has been darkened. This is the Reformed doctrine of original sin. It, it's saying that, the, it's talking about the noetic effects of the fall. The teaching that we bear guilt for what Adam did. The teaching that Adam's sin has now made me and you prejudicially disposed against God. Something in us went rotten. Because of what happened long ago with Adam in the garden, we don't like God, because of what happened in the garden long ago with Adam, we don't trust God, and we don't think straight about it. We can say, we can say we prize objectivity. I strive to be the most objective person in how I process everything, but honestly, we suspect God, we reject God, and we oppose him. This is part of the darkness of all humanity, and that's what it says in verse 9. Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. That, that graffiti artist, Banksy, it's like he's come into the UK, and he's standing in front of one of those buildings where he's, he's painted another one of his, his paintings, and he's come up to the spray paintings, and they don't recognize him. If those spray-painted figures, the spray-painted people could speak, they would look at Banksy, and they would say, who are you? I don't recognize you. And 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 Banksy would say back to the, the painting, his creation, I painted you. And they would they would reply, no, no, no. No one really actually knows the identity of Banksy. No, we don't know you. Now that little example of graffiti talking to the artist, graffiti people who who think and speak, it's absurd. But here's the point: we disagree because we dislike. We disagree because we dislike. We're prejudiced. We're prejudiced against God because you don't like him. You won't believe him. Now we're all susceptible to this. We're all susceptible to this. Think think about it this way. Think about the advice that your parents gave you when you were a teenager. Think about the advice when you were a teenager that your parents would give you. Maybe your dad would say, Oh, you're growing up, you're getting ready to graduate. You've got to be thinking about what your career is going to be. Here's an article about careers. Here's some uh, career advice. Would you like to read this article? Or maybe your mom says to you, oh, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about your social health. I'm concerned about your friendships. Shouldn't you be getting out more? How do you respond? How did you respond? That wasn't there a part of you that kind of irritated you? Was, was there a part of you that got kind of like passive resistant when they would give you this, this kind of input? Why? Why? It's because it was coming from your parents. If it had been your favorite uncle, if it had been your therapist or your counselor, if it had been your best friend giving you the exact same advice, making the exact same observation about you, what would you have said, honestly? What would you have said? You would have said, yeah, yeah, that really makes sense what incredible penetrating insight you have about my life. But, but if you're not a Christian, and maybe you're reading the arguments about the claims of Christianity for it, against it, and, and maybe you're, hearing, you're running into people who are telling you their story about how they converted, how they became Christians, how they met Jesus and how he's changed them. But when you hear all of that, it's like those words, that input from parents when you're a teenager you just see all kinds of holes you just get all like in a huff about it and and there are plenty of bad arguments made for Christianity but there are there are good ones there are good evidences could it be that the good evidences and the good arguments have so little weight for you because you just don't like God Could it be that the the credible testimony of people, it just doesn't move you because you bear a grudge against God? Do you disagree with God because you dislike him? Could it be that underneath your intellect, and you might have a fabulous top-right intellect, could it be that underneath your intellect you harbor hostility to God? There's a simple test to see if if maybe you're prejudicially skewed against God? Here's just a little sample question you can ask yourself. Do do you read, if you read the Bible, and really the best way to to know what God stands for is to read the Bible, do you read all these pages, and, and especially these pages about Jesus? Do you read all these pages about Jesus in the Bible, and as you read them, you wish it was true? You wish all these things that you're reading, you might not believe it, but you read it and you wish it was true. If you wish it was true, that's a good sign that you're objective, that you're not prejudiced against God. Verse 11, Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. And a, a friend who who um, was evaluating Christianity and um, the friend was really willing, willing to read the Bible. Read the, whole, the friend read the whole Bible. Well, what did you think, talking with the friend, what did you think about uh, Jesus? You read, you read all four Gospels. What did you think about Jesus? The friend was super honest and had really put the time in to read the whole Bible. The friend said, I don't like Jesus. I don't like him. He's always right. He never does anything wrong, and I don't like that. if that's where you're at, you're still in darkness. And that's where all of us, all of us got lost. Romans 1 says, we became futile in our thinking and our foolish hearts were darkened. Maybe you feel like this world, this whole world is a dark place. And you're right. There's so many bad things going on in the world, but that's just the darkness on the outside, there is also darkness in our hearts. This says that you have darkness, I have darkness inside, in your mind, in your heart. In Acts, it says all of us were groping around in the dark, stumbling around, like the, the power is out, and you're just can't see anything. You're trying to find a flashlight, trying to find a way to find a candle and to light it. It's like that children's game, Blind Man's Bluff, where they they cover your eyes with a blindfold and you're just looking around, trying to find the other person. God made us, though. It says God made us so that we should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each of us. You know, you know, don't you, that you can have everything pulled together in your life. You can have an admirable life, and you can still be far from God. It, 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 now, It's one thing to look at someone who is stuck, and they're stuck in drug addiction, and, and they're stuck in all of the lies and the cheating and the stealing that they, they have to keep doing to uphold their addiction. It's easy to think, well, that person's in the dark. They're, they're deceiving themselves. They're lost, but you could be a stay-at-home mom and still be in darkness. You could be a highly ranked retired person and everything is set for the rest of your years, living in ease, living in comfort, and you could still be lost in the dark, still dark to God. Is God the most important thing to you? Is he the most important person in your life? Do all of the choices in your life, big and small, do they all center around Him? Where you're going to live, who you're going to make your friends with, how you will spend your money—it could be there, it, this. Could be your first day ever in church, or you could have grown up and been in church all of your life. You can still be in this darkness. Here's a simple question you can ask yourself to see am I in darkness? Am I still in darkness? Let me ask you this. Is there someone you hate? Is there someone you hate? First John says, if you hate your brother or sister whom you can see, how can you say you love God whom you cannot see? Jesus came to show us who we are, Jesus came to show us how we got lost, and Jesus came to show us how to get home. This is verses 9 through 13. Now, All of us are stumbling. We all started stumbling in the dark, and even if you are a Christian, you've got times when you're still stumbling in the dark. There are these remaining remnants of the darkness in us. Maybe and maybe for you, you 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 are a Christian. You say a Christian, but the, the remaining sin, the remaining darkness, layers up. You give yourself into the power, and so you have foolishly in some area of your life with your relationship, how you treat your spouse, how you hold on to money, how there is some dishonest practice, some dishonest speech that you're holding on to. You're so confident about it. You're so stubborn about holding on to it. You will not listen. You're blind and you will not see. And so now, if you come to the word, if you hear the word preached to you, if someone brings the word to you, the light exposes it. We're blundering around in the dark. But Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. Verse nine, Jesus is the true light which gives light. And so, here's another test of darkness. Is there darkness in me? Is there darkness in you? Are you stingy? First John has a lot to say about light and darkness. And am I still in darkness? First John asks this, are you stingy? Do you tightly hold on to your money? You say, I'm being a good steward. I'm, I'm being a very good steward. And what that means is you're stingy. You can't let it go. You're not generous. First John 3, if anyone has the world's go- goods and sees a brother or sister in need, yet closes his heart to him. How does God's love abide in that one? How could it be? You, you, you see people who are poor. You you, you have people who, who come and they have overwhelming need. You don't have enough. You couldn't pour enough into it. Do You close your heart against them. You say, well, I can't help, so I might as well not help. Or if I help, it will just enforce bad habits. Great, fine, maybe all that's true. But what can you do? But what can you give? Can I hear a constructive solution about it? Or have have we closed our hearts to our brother or sister who's in need? John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus is the light that shines into our darkness. All of the blunders that you've made, all of the stinginess and the grubbiness and the greediness in your heart, all of the stubborn decisions that you insisted on and you would not let go of this thing that was killing you, all of the hurt that you brought on other people, all of your resistance to God, Jesus shines on that, Jesus is shining on that, and he reveals all of that in his light. And it says, as many as would receive him, as many as received him, to them, he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. And that's how a person gets out of the darkness. That's how a person who's lost gets back home. If you receive Jesus, the word, if you receive Jesus, the light, if you believe in him, in his name, you get the right to become the children of God. That's got to be the most generous offer to a person in need. He gave you an inheritance, not just a $5, not just a gift card to McDonald's. He gave you heirdom. You have an inheritance in him, in an eternal kingdom, with eternal riches, if you will receive Jesus, the word, the light, if you believe. When it says that you, he gave you the right to become children of God, do you know what he's saying? He's saying that if you believe, you have become legally enfranchised with God the Father. That means you have now entered into the closest, the most intimate relationship with divinity. That means you have a lasting place, In his house. It means if God were to have to file taxes in the place, in the tax forms where he would list his dependents and number them, he would list you as a true son and he would list you as a true daughter. You have become his personal dependents. You have a family and a home. Are you stumbling around in life? Do you you really, you just feel lost. You feel turned around. Or are you secure? Are you professionally secure? Financially secure? But you can tell something is not right. You've got all that money. You've got all that prestige, but your relationships are zero. You've got a house, but you do not have a home. You have wealth, but you've got a miserly heart. You are lost, and you're far from home. And I know this woman and years ago, she was hiking. She was way out. It was summertime. She was way out in, in dry forest regions. And, and in this place where she was, she was hiking, there were all sorts of winding trails, all sorts of branches all over um, that whole trailhead. And at the time, she was college age. And she was a very capable person. She was a very responsible person. And she decided to take on this hike a bunch of little kids. And they were going to go exploring. It was going to be a fun hike. They were going to be out maybe half an hour, maybe 40 minutes. They had their little trail packs with a little handful of maybe M&Ms and and little cute little, you know, water bottles. And they went on the hike. But it didn't work out. They got turned around. And, And they got turned around and... They were lost the rest of the group didn't know where they were the rest of the group could not find them couldn't find her and the small children under her care and and they started looking for them her dad and, and others came out went out looking for them and there were it was hard to know where do we even go there were so many branches in the paths they didn't even know where to start looking and she knew she knew that feeling that happens when you, maybe you're like 50 minutes past when you should have seen home, an hour, an hour and a half, where you think it's getting more unfamiliar. She knew that they were lost, and she kept trying to be brave for her little kids, the little kids that were there, and they started to get low on water, because they weren't hiking for a a long hike. They didn't pack for that, and and they just kept pressing forward, and the, the smaller children with her were getting tired, and I think she was even, at the end, just carrying one of the little kids. But every step that she took was taking her further and further away. And and the rest of the group searching for her. After searching for a long time, her dad finally found them. And when he finally found her, they ran to each other and they hugged. And it was a father so glad to embrace his favored daughter. And, and at that moment, with her, her face on his shoulder, she burst into tears and she said, I was so, so scared and I had gotten us so, so lost. My friends, are any of you here far from God? Have you lost your way in life? Are you still groping around in darkness? Jesus is the light, He's the true light that gives light to every person. He comes to show you who you are, where you got lost, and how to get home. How does Jesus know the way? How how could this be? Because Jesus was lost to his father in the dark. Jesus, utter darkness, spiritual darkness, literal darkness on his cross. And in the darkness, Jesus found the way home out of the dark. The resurrection, he came back. He came back. The text says, believe in his name and he will give you the right to become a child of God. Will you believe? Will you receive him? He was punished for our transgressions. He was raised for our justification. If you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, have you turned from the light? and gotten yourself lost? Have have you wandered from the commandments of God? Have Have you wanted other gods and given yourself over to your own idols? Your father is calling you. Your father is calling you home. Will you turn, turn around and return to him? He will welcome you back. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would shine, shine on our hearts, shine in our darkened minds. And would you draw us to yourself. It says that faith is a gift. Would you give us more faith? Would you work in our hearts new hearts so that we would believe and that we would adore Christ the Lord? We ask in his name. Amen.